uh, it's, it's maturity issues. It's things that we are maturing in and we are growing in. Um, and, uh, and we need to receive it that way. But it can. The Bible says, He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So as you grow in your knowledge and you understand it, but then you reject it, it can become sin. And so it's very important that you don't say, well, what pastor's talking about is not all that important because it's just maturity. It is maturity, but you are required at certain points in your life to step up to another level, uh, to whether it be providing for your family or uh, graduating from school or college. There, there are certain things that, that are in life that are benchmarks, and the same in the kingdom of God. You need to make sure that you are willing to grow. And we need to understand what we are growing from. What is our authority? Uh, I was in a uh, Bible discussion, actually me and Brother Thomas Vaughn, uh, a few years ago. Uh, someone that uh, he was uh, speaking with and he asked if I would go and talk with him. And uh, it was a guy that had, um, you know, had all, lots of studying and he was uh, wanting to discuss some things in the scripture. So I said, wonderful, let's, let's do it. And in his case, um, you know, he said, I asked him, I said, now as we get started, I just want to know. What, what would you consider to be your authority? What is, what is like the thing that you believe is the last word, how it's said, and what, what is the authority? He said, the word of God. I said, good, that's my authority too, the word of God. And then he continued for the next 20 minutes talking about all these different books that had nothing to do with the Bible. So I, I, I let him go for about 20 minutes. And I, I said, hey, man, let me just ask you something. Tell me again, what's your authority? <laughs> He's like, the Bible. I said, how come we ain't talking about the Bible? I've sat here and listened to a 20-minute speech about all these other books. What is the Bible? He said, well, let's talk about the Bible. And, and then he started talking about all these other books again. I said, no, no, no. Tell me about the Bible. After that, I wouldn't let him go more than two or three sentences. I said, no, give me a verse. What are you talking about in the Bible? So then I started quoting verses, and, and it turned out that he didn't like the Bible quite as much as he thought he did, apparently. And uh, he decided that he wanted these other books. But that's his authority. But we do have to decide, what is our authority? You know, what is it? The Bible tells us very plainly what our authority is, and it is His Word. The Bible says, in the last days, we will be judged by His Word. And so the Word of God is that final authority in my life. And as Christians, each and every one of us, we need to make sure we understand that the Word of God is that authority. Uh, first, excuse me, Second Timothy 3.16. I'm going to run through some scriptures, hopefully pretty quick at the beginning here. It says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Uh, how many scriptures? How many scriptures? All. All scriptures. Grandpa said all means all, and that's all all means. All scriptures mean all scriptures uh, is given by the inspiration of God. And we believe that. And those that are sitting here that have uh, grown in their relationship with God, you believe John chapter 3, uh, verse number 5. When Jesus answered, said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man uh, be born again of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And if you've been serving God very long, you, you, and, and you have uh, studied the word of God, most Christians that I know of would say, that's the Word of God. Unless you're born again of the water and of the Spirit, you cannot 
enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, verse 3 actually says you cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, so you cannot see it and you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so we understand that's the way it is. But there's other scriptures such as Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 which says follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So if we are going to believe that you must be born again of the water and the spirit or you cannot get into the kingdom of heaven, we must understand we must follow peace with all men. That's our relationships this way. And holiness, that's our relationship this way, without which no man, I want to say no man, no man shall see the Lord. And so it's important that we believe the word of God. First Peter chapter 1 verse 16 says... Um, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. This is referring to God, and God is speaking this. Be ye holy, for I am holy. So God requires of us to be holy. Huh. Now, first of all, I think that we need to understand, if we don't, that the only thing that is truly holy is God. The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags you ain't good enough i ain't good enough none of us are good enough he is a holy god and because sin is in our life none of us are good enough but holiness has two components to it uh, and, and this is simply it it is separation from the world and its values and the second part is it's dedicated to god and his values and his will so that's that's what holiness in a nutshell for us uh, we'll never be holy like God is, but for us, it's that we separate ourselves from the world and its values, and we dedicate ourselves to God and His values. That is a mindset of holiness. So you think, well, God's the only one thing to be holy. So let me just give you a, a quick example. What, what can make something holy? What is holy in the Bible? Well, the Ark of the Covenant was considered holy. You know what that was? It was wood. And gold, that's what it was. The golden candlesticks, the altar of incense, the table of showbread. These were all considered holy. The instruments that they used to uh, do the sacrifice and to light the candles and do all that, all that was considered holy. How could wood and gold and metal be holy? What made it holy? What made them be able to say, this is holy? Very simple. It was separated from the world and it was dedicated to the purposes of God. It wasn't just out there doing anything. No, it was separated from everything else going on out there in the house of God. And it was dedicated with a purpose to the things of God. And so what holiness is, in a nutshell for us, is that we separate ourselves from the things of this world and we dedicate ourselves to a holy God. Do we become holy in ourselves? No, never, not going to happen till we get out of here and we are like Him. But we are not perfect, but we are moving into perfection. And we do that by separating ourselves from the world, dedicating ourselves to God. So we see in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, beginning with verse 17, and we're actually going to move right into what is chapter 7. Now, I, I just want to preface this real quick because there were no chapters when this was originally written. And so even though we're going into chapter 7, uh, uh, the writer here, uh, Paul, it's a smooth 
thought process. We, because we wanted to be able to say, turn to chapter, verse, and know where we're going, we broke it up into chapters and verses. But originally, it was just one flowing letter, okay? And so we're going to go from chapter 6 into chapter 7. Wherefore, this is verse 17, come out from among them and do what? And be ye separate, separating ourselves from the world. Be ye separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing. I will receive you. It's coming out from the world and giving ourselves to God. I will be uh, a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises. What promises? That he's going to be our father. That we are going to be his sons and daughters. That we're going to have this relationship. That we separated ourselves from the world. We are not touching unclean things. Therefore. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. God's the only thing truly holy. You can't perfect God. What it's talking about? It's talking about us perfecting ourselves and doing what was talked about before. Separating ourselves from the things of this world and dedicating ourselves to God. So because of that, there are going to be lots of things in this book that the Bible talks about that to the world is common practice. And, and, and to the world, it don't seem like there's anything wrong with it at all. But see, I'm not living based off the world. I'm trying to separate myself from the world. And I'm trying to dedicate my heart and my life to God. And notice what it says. A lot of people bring holiness and they say, you know, well, holiness and all that is, is in my spirit. It's inside. Absolutely, it's inside. But it doesn't stop there. Notice just in this verse, and we'll read some others, but it says, uh, having therefore these uh, promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Well, God makes you holy. Cleanse yourselves. Well, God's the one that comes in and takes care of everything. Cleanse ourselves. That means there's things we have to do. Turn to somebody and say, you got work to do. Look back and say, you got lots of work to do. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> cleanse ourselves. From cleanse ourselves from all filthiness, here we go, of the spirit perfecting holiness. Now, if you, if I, I jumped something, if you didn't notice that. Ourselves from all filthiness, not just of the spirit, but of the flesh and spirit. Because holiness is both within and without. If it's just within, it would just say, cleanse yourself of the filthiness in your spirit. But it says, cleanse yourself of the filthiness of your flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. How can being doing something with my outer man perfect holiness? The Bible says it does. What is going on? I'm separating myself from the world. I'm dedicating myself to God. That's what's going on. Let's keep going. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies... I hurt my hands the other day. It's easier doing it on here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your spirits. That you present your inward man. It says that you present your bodies. How we present ourselves matters to God. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, again. Well, holiness is all within. 
We've, we're reading multiple scriptures that are saying it's both in and out. You got to have both. Uh, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. It is both inward, your mind, your heart, the inward man and the outward man. Both of these things need to be separated from the world and dedicated to the things of God. We must learn to love what God loves and hate what God hates. God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. We should never treat anybody bad. We should never look down at anyone. You, I, I've said it often um, that, that you are no better than anyone. Don't ever forget that. You're not better than anyone. I'm not better than anyone. I'm better off. You got two people and it starts raining. One's inside and one's outside. One's not better than the other, but the guy inside is better off. The other one's soaked down, his hair's down. I would love just to have hair to be able to go down. But anyways, they're, they're, they're soaked and everything's going down. The other guy's just inside. They're no, one's not better than the other, but because of where one has positioned themselves, they're better off. And when you're in the kingdom of God and you are obeying the commandments of the Lord that we talked about Sunday, you're better off. You're better off. And, but we've got to love what he loves, hate what he hates. First John chapter two, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. It is not of the father, but it is of the world. There is very clear distinction throughout the word of God that we are not to just go with whatever the world is doing. That if we love God, we need to show it by our actions because all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. Well, there's other things, Pastor. Not if you believe the Word of God. Now, you can believe anything you want to. You can be with that other gentleman and read all the books that you want to read. But if the Bible is your authority, everything in this world will come down to these things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. That's all that's in the world. That's how the world operates. That's why everything is sold with sex in this world. Coca-Cola, Beyonce. What's going on? The lust of the flesh. They know. Look, look, just look, look at the things that are advertised with sexuality. I'm jumping to my sermon on media. Okay, I'm gonna, we'll be that doing that in two weeks. All right. Again, let's look at Matthew 23, 25. This is very important. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Have you ever met a hypocrite? Don't raise your hand. Hypocrites. He's, he's mad. He's obviously upset. Hypocrites. And why? Because there are people. And if this is, if this ever becomes Souls Harbor, we are wrong. Our spirit is wrong. It's like this. He said, you make clean the outside of the club, cup and platter. Otherwise, they were wearing everything just perfectly where they looked like, like they were it on a stick. I mean, they, they, they had the, the, the tassels so long, the drag in the ground, and they, they had all of this on the outside. He said, but you're hypocrites. You've cleaned the inside, uh, 
excuse me, you may clean the outside of the cup and platter, but within you're full of extortion and excess. He is referring here, and, and there's other places he talks about the same things. He's saying, uh, one place he said, you are all like whited sepulchers, all clean and pure without, but within you're full of extension, uh, extortion and excess. You're saying just a dried up rotten bones. Outside you're this beautiful pillar. That is dedicated, you know, this, this great monument, but inside it ain't right. And so what some people have said is said, well, see there, when you dress the right way on the outside, it, you know, that's a bunch of hypocrites. And, and I don't want to be any part of that. But he doesn't stop talking there. You got to keep reading. Next verse, verse 26. Verse 26. He said, thou blind Pharisees, clean first that which is within the cup and platter and forget about the outside. I'm just having fun with y'all tonight. You can tell Make sure you're reading. He said, he said, you blind Pharisees, clean first that which is within the cup and platter that the outside may be cleaned also. He wasn't saying, get it right on the inside and don't worry about how everything is on the outside. He said, no, one scripture he talks about this you ought to do not to leave the other undone. So here he is telling us once again that it matters both within and without. And so as we talk about holiness, the majority of time that I speak of holiness lifestyle, I am talking on a Sunday morning and I'm telling people to repent. I'm telling people to live right and have the right attitude and, 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 and make things right with their brother and their sister. And, and if you've got something in your spirit, I'm always talking about the inside. But I'm taking the next four weeks uh, or three more weeks, including tonight, and talking about the outside. But we preach about the inside all the time. So you're, I don't want you to leave here or watch for the first time and say, boy, he don't ever talk about, you know, he's all about the outside. I am about the outside, but I'm about the inside too. So, all right. Everybody on the same page? We are the church. We are the called out ones. And we have a passion to please the king. Ephesians 5 and 10 says, Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Uh, this uh, same, same chapter and verse, um, but in uh, the English Standard Version, says trying to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. The King James says what, what is acceptable. This says discerning. what I've got to find out. What is it that God likes and what is it that he doesn't like? We find also in 1 Thessalonians 5.22 said abstain from all appearance of evil. Does not just say abstain from evil. It says if anything appears, has a tendency, it looks that way, it's leaning that way. He said abstain from all appearances of evil. And so there are things that we in our ourselves, we may or may not understand it haven't grown into it don't see it how god sees it yet but as we mature and we begin to see it the way god sees it it's important that we do what the word of god says we are not hearers of the word but we are doers of the word first timothy chapter 2 verses 8 through 10 i would therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands say it with me again lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting in like manner also that women adorn themselves with modest apparel with shame faces and sobriety not with broided hair nor gold nor pearl or costly array but that which becometh women professing godliness with good works and so tonight i'm going to be speaking about jewelry 
make up those types of things. There are people here that you've never heard it before. And, and you may say, oh, man, I, I have a, a ring on or I have this. I'm not trying to condemn you. As a matter of fact, if you don't mind, just taking a moment and repeating after me. Everybody say, Pastor Jason, Pastor Jason. is not trying to run me off. If I say, Pastor Jason, Pastor Jason is not trying to condemn me. If I say, Pastor Jason, he loves me. Say, he's teaching. And that's what you need to get. I am teaching the Word of God. I don't want you to feel like this is something new. I want you to take it, digest it, understand it. I want those that have heard it before, I want you to uh, reestablish it in your heart that this is the right things. And so I'm going to be talking about uh, these things. And I believe it's very important. We've heard this statement before. If we do not learn from the past, we are doomed to repeat it, right? You know what I'm talking about. If we do not learn from the past, we are doomed to repeat it. So let's go back uh, to the Old Testament. And we're going to go from the Old Testament into the New. And so I encourage you to write down or go to the website afterwards and you can uh, read this again and get all these scriptures. But uh, I encourage you to write them down as well. Uh, first of all, uh, even before I get in, let, let me. Just, this is an observation. I'm not trying to make a, a doctrine over this. It's just an observation um, that the really we don't know much about Lucifer. In the, uh, what is later known as the devil. He is the fallen angel. There's three archangels. There's Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Lucifer is the one that, that fell down and he took a, a portion of the angels with him that are now the demons. Uh, but we don't know a lot about Lucifer. Uh, but this is, this is some of what we know about him. Um, uh, we find in uh, Ezra 8, uh, 28 verse 13. It says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. Then it goes through all the sapphire and the topaz, and it goes through all these different stones, all these jewels that are all over him. Verse 14, Thou art the anointed cherubim that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy way in, from the day thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. And, and so this is Lucifer. Now before I get into uh, how I think we should feel as, as um, men and women, uh, it's just interesting to me that the, one of the few things that we know about Lucifer is how he looked and all the jewels that were all over him and the pride that came up in him. Those are the main things that you go and study. The main things that we know about Lucifer is that he, how he looked and the pride that came up inside of him. So it's just something to think about as, as we move forward. Uh, we find here that uh, Jacob is, um, has went away from uh, his father's house. He ran away after he uh, pulled some shenanigans there. And now he, on his way out of there, God dealt with him. And now he's trying to do things right, but he don't always do things right. Um, and he's on his way uh, back to meet his, his brother. And uh, he knows he needs to get a hold of God. I need to get God operating in my life. I need to make sure I'm close to God. And this is what we find. Again, this is, these are interesting things. Uh, Genesis chapter 35, uh, verses 3 and 4. So this is Jacob. Jacob is, is coming back. To meet his brother. He knows he needs God's help. He knows he needs to get close to God. So he said, let us arise and go up to Bethel. That's where God dealt with him the first time. Go up to Bethel and I will make there an altar unto God. 
who answered me in the day of my distress. Do you remember when you were in distress and God came to you and God touched you and God changed your life? Does anybody remember when that happened in your life that God came in even when you were in distress? That's what he's feeling. He's saying, God's been good to me. When I, when I, when I messed up, God was right there by my side. So he's thinking of the goodness of God and he's saying, I'm going back into the presence of God, the God that answered me in the day of my distress uh, and was with me in the way which I went. How should I honor this God? So he's coming back. The next verse says, and and he's so he's talking now to his uh, those that he is bringing back with him, his family, and he and he's asking them for their 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 jewelry is what he's asking for, and and, and also their gods that they have served. And verse number four, it says, and, he, and they gave unto Jacob all the strange God which were in their hands and all the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak. Uh, and so he takes all of this jewelry and says, I'm going to get back in the presence of God. And something inside of him says, let's take all of this, the gods that's in your hands, the earrings that's in your ears. Let's take all of this and hide it under a tree. Because when he was going to get back in the presence of God, for some reason inside of himself, he knew that this should not be with him when he came to God. Interesting, isn't it? As as they um, time went on, they went. Uh, into Egypt and uh, there in Egypt uh, they, they were slaves for many years and God brought them out with his mighty hand and we find that 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 God was as they were leaving Egypt now as Moses is taking them out that God tells them to go get uh, all this jewelry uh, it's to me it's almost like and, and you're going to see this pattern here that that God's you know with, even with Lucifer you know, here, I want to give you this stuff. And he just can't handle it. And, and these people, they, they, they get it and they just can't handle it. It's like almost like God keeps trying to give them an opportunity and they just keep dropping the ball over and over again. And here, uh, he's telling them to go get the jewels. Now, the jewels was not for wearing. It was the currency of the day. Uh, they didn't have paper money like we have today uh, um, in the same way. They, they bartered, they traded, and, and gold, silver, all these things were, were, were their currency. And so they're getting back. Back pay for the thousands of years that they have been uh, there serving in Egypt. So in Exodus chapter 11, verse number 2, um, this is God speaking. He says, speak now unto the ears of the people and let every man borrow his neighbor and every woman her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And they go and as they approach the door, there's been so many plagues. They just want the people of God out of there, the, the Israelites out of there. So they're just giving him all their gold, all their silver. And so they literally walk out of Egypt with all of their wealth and they never had to do anything but knock on the door and ask, can we have that? So they give it to them and they, they leave. But they don't handle it well. They get these jewels and the next thing you know, they're wearing them. Next thing you know, they're making idols. The next thing you know, uh, they're just overrun once again with, with all of this jewelry. They just can't seem to handle it. And so Moses comes down. He's mad. He breaks the, the commandments that God gives him, literally the, the, st- the tables of, of stone. And... and um, and, and goes back up and for God to give it to him again. And so now he's, he's, he's just upset. So now he's coming back down and, and God is speaking and the people of God, um, have made God upset again. And 
look at this. Again, it's dealing with jewelry. It happens over and over again. Exodus chapter 33, verses 2 through 6 says, I will send an angel before thee, and I will uh, drive out the Canaanites, the Ammonites, the Hittites, all the tites, Hittites, Shugamashanda. Okay. He said, I'm going to drive them all out um, unto the land um, that floweth with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee. I'm going to send an angel because I ain't coming with you. I promised you I was going to take you there, but I ain't coming. I'm going to send an angel. He says, but here he says, I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. The next verse, verse 4. And when the people heard the evil tidings, they... uh, uh, you know, they, they realized, man, we, we really messed up here. And no man put on him his ornaments, his jewels, his, his, his decorations, these things. No man put them on. For the Lord had said unto Moses, saying to the children of Israel, Ye are a stiff-necked people. I will come up in the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore, now put off thy ornaments from thee. That I may know what I'm going to do with thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by uh, the mountain Horeb. They stripped themselves of their ornaments whenever the, um, uh, whenever God came down. So you, you have Jacob saying, I've got to get to God, but he just knew his relationship with God. I got to get all this stuff and hide it. The children of Israel kept messing up with this jewelry, and God's finally just looking at him saying, Just get it off of you. Keep it off of you. And as a matter of fact, this is interesting. This is the King James Version. Can you pull up the ESV? Uh, that's, that's one. Actually, almost every translation I read adds that one word there to it. It's interesting. The King James Version, when I read why they didn't, they they have reasons why they didn't add this. Uh, But here it says, Therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from the Mount Horeb onward. Otherwise they didn't mess with it anymore. Look at, look, this is another translation. You have that one, God's Word. Same, Same verse. After they left Mount Horeb, the Israelites no longer wore their jewelry. So, so, so it was, they, they knew they can't, they, this thing, they ain't handling well. And God just finally said, get it off of you, keep it off of you. And so from that moment forward, said they did not wear their jewelry. Isn't that interesting here? He tells them in another place in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 25 and 26, dealing again with jewelry which they worshiped and many times turned into gods. Uh, but it was all connected together. Uh, Deuteronomy 7, 25 and 26 said, uh, the graven images, um, of their God shalt thou burn with fire. Thou shalt not desire the silver or gold that is on them that they're wearing, nor take it unto thee. They're wearing it. They've got it on them. You don't take it under thee, lest thou be snared therein. Again, he's warning them. There's something about jewelry that human beings just have a hard time with. And so he's saying, you're going to get snared with this thing. 
For it is an abomination to the Lord thy God. Remember we talked about that last week. Lots of things are abomination unto us. This is one of the things that God says, it's an abomination to the Lord thy God. And again, these are jewels that are reaching the point of worshiping them. Uh, Neither shalt thou bring an abomination in thy house, lest thou be a cursed thing like it. But thou shalt utterly detest it. Thou shalt not, thou shalt utterly abhor it, excuse me, uh, for it is a cursed thing. And so as we read through the Old Testament, and there are other Old Testament scriptures I could go through. As a matter of fact, a little bit later on, when I'm talking about cosmetics, I'm going to go back and it deals with both jewelry and cosmetics as we reach back here in a moment. So there's more in the Old Testament that we're going to look at in a moment. But let's just jump into the New Testament for a moment because I got lots to cover. Oh my goodness. Um, and the New Testament, again, we find, uh, I, I think that pretty much everyone would agree, uh, Paul was one of the most primary um, apostles, especially to the Gentile church. And, and the majority of the New Testament, he wrote. He's the one that wrote the majority of the New Testament. So this is one of the, the, the main apostles. And he's talking about it. Now, in the Old Testament, it was like they God would almost try to give it to them and then like, no, get rid of it. And finally, he's like, just keep it off of you. From that moment forward, they just didn't wear jewelry um, if they were serving God. Uh, but here we find in the New Testament, they just say, listen, this is the problem. We're not doing it. Don't wear gold, pearls, cosplay. Let's look at it. First Timothy 2, chapter Chapter 2, excuse me, verse 8 and 10. I would therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also, also dealing with the scripture above. Uh, I would that men lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also. So that purity. I want the women and the men both to have that purity in them. That women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety. Not with broided hair. This is not what I want you to put on, to adorn yourself with. He said, this is what I want you to keep off of you. Not with broided hair, which is uh, weaving gold and all these things that they would weave and jewels into their hair, broided hair, um, or gold, which is the precious metal, even today, but back then as well, or pearls, which was the precious stone of the day, not diamonds at that time. And so he's hitting the big daddies here. Or, or pearls, or costly array. But that which becometh women professing godliness with good works. And so the Apostle Paul says here that just don't wear gold. Now, I mean, I, I don't see how it could be much simpler than that, to be honest with you. We'll just close the Bible and just move on. I mean, it says it. But that don't seem to be the way it works anymore. You have to just explain a whole lot. Um, but here, Paul is telling the young man, Timothy, and this is how I want you to lead things. He said, I don't want you to be adorning your, yourself. And tell them the uh, men lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And like men also the women, how they're adorning themselves. Don't let it be. Here it says, not with, don't do this, broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. And so the apostle Paul makes it very clear that we are not to wear uh, gold pearls costly array now the other major apostle that most people would consider the major apostle is uh the apostle peter now the apostle peter um is of course the one that stood up on the day of pentecost and preached on the day of pentecost he's the one that jesus gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven so if he is going to say something about this what does he say 
it's the same thing. First Peter chapter three, verses one through five. And like, uh, and like, likewise, ye wives, uh, be in subject to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be won by the conversation of the wise, while they beheld their chaste conversations coupled with fear. Who's adorning? Let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of the hair, the wearing of gold. Let me read that again. Whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of the hair, the wearing of gold, or putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, which is, uh, it, which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. And so we have both um, Paul and Peter both very clearly, simply saying, don't wear gold. Now, I'm trying to look at the time. I want to be able to get out of here a little bit. I don't want to hold or held y'all afterwards, and I don't want to do that. I'm trying to think where I want to jump here. You know, when you look at rings in the in history, if you if you do look at history, and as I said, I'm going to be reading some more scriptures here in a moment because that's not what we base what we believe on. But you find the the oldest um, ring that I have read about um, is. Uh, actually came out of Egypt. Imagine that. It came out of Egypt. Um, and, um, and what they would do is they had, and there they had this calf, and it had all of these, these um, gold-like things, riblets, I don't know what you call them, little, little strands of gold sticking off so it looked like the hair of this, this animal. But what they would do is they would reach in and pluck it off, and they would put it around their finger and, and twist it, and it was them connecting themselves to this image. To, to my knowledge, that's the oldest uh, piece of jewelry that, that has been discovered, to, from what I understand. Um, and and it, when you look at it, rings are, are not quite as precious as uh, we might think. You know, we think, you know, even a wedding rings. I'm going to be talking about that in a moment. But we think, oh, man, how sweet, you know. But when you look at the original, as they talk about these rings that became part of marriage, what it was is when, when you were going to marry somebody, they would put a loop either around their ankle, around their waist, or around their wrist, and then it came around their finger. And it was you saying that you control this person. You own this person. Just look at the history of rings. It, it was saying that, that you were dominating that person it wasn't this sweet thing of unending love it was i own you it was a symbol of a chain that was wrapped around that's right a link of a chain that they would do it so as you study it that is uh where um a lot of these things come from you can even go back to uh uh, Greek mythology, and there, there's, you know, they, they use it all there. And the same thing, it was this this god that was uh, that did something bad, and so Zeus or whoever he is put him, you know, in a, on a put him in a mountain. And when he got out, he said, "I'll let you out, but he, he, you're going to remember what you're stuck to." And he so he took the chain and he wrapped it around his finger and took a piece of the mountain and stuck it on that chain and said, "So no matter where you go, you know that you belong to the mountain." 
That's Greek mythology. But I'm just saying, all of us, when you look at rings, all of the things about rings is all about controlling somebody and I dominate you and you're connected to me. It's not the sweet stuff. See, we have turned around. We've done what they call, uh, what, what is it they call? Dis- Disney-fy or what, what is it? Disney, uh, you know, Disney took all those old poems that were like, like um, oh my goodness. What is it? Brothers Grimm, yeah, this evil stuff, and it's really bad. And he Disney-fied and made it all sweet. That's what we did with the wedding ring. We, we took it, and it, the original of it is all this, and we made it like, oh, it's precious, like Disney does. But when you look at the core of it and where it came from, it is not. And it was not something that was in the New Testament. It's not something that they wore in the Old Testament. And, and it became something, uh, as far as marriage it was in the Catholic Church that it became something that is dealing with marriage. And where they would say, uh, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, Amen. They still do that in weddings today. It was part of a, uh, of a Roman Catholic Church belief and thought process. But the New Testament, uh, the Old Testament or the New Testament, uh, women did not wear jewelry as a wedding band. I'm about to show you scriptures. But one of the examples, if you go back to the Old Testament, we know that they, um, for instance, Sarah did not wear a wedding band based off of this is the fact that um, he um, passed her off twice as his sister and when he did that notice what he says he doesn't say take off your ring so he won't think that you're married so that we can you know so he won't get mad at me because that's what Abraham thought he thought you're so beautiful if they they know that you're my wife they're going to kill me but he did not say take off your ring so they won't know now, what did he say? Tell them that you're my sister. There was no outside marking that he would say, don't wear that or don't keep that on. Take all that off. So when you go before them, they'll think you're not married. He said, no, there was no outward sign. So you're going to have to tell them. And his son did the same thing. Isaac did the same thing with his wife. So there was no outside marking that they said, oh, take that off. No, it was always tell them what was going on. So let's, let's look back here. I'm, I'm jumping all over my notes, but let me go back to uh, 1 Peter. I want you to, to notice something here. This whole passage here is speaking about a husband-wife relationship. Okay? This, this whole passage is. So, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Likewise, ye wives, be subject to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may be won by the chaste conversation of the wives, that they, talking about the husband, uh, behold their chaste conversation coupled with fear. So, you, there's at least four, maybe five, if you want to be technical about it. Uh, references between husband, wife, husband, wife, husband, wife. What is it talking about in the first three, uh, excuse me, first two verses? What is it talking about? Husbands, wives, correct? Not enough people. I'm going I'm to read that again to make sure we're on the same page. Likewise, ye wives, be subject to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may be one with the conversation, uh, may, without the word, be one with the conversation of the wives, while they beheld their chaste conversations coupled with fear. We're talking about a husband and wife relationship, correct? correct. All right, I just want to make sure, because I don't want to say something. You go, I'm not sure. I want you to know. Now, verse 3. Who's adorning? Let it not be the outward adorning, 
of the playing of the hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting on of apparel. I'm going to come back to that. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, and which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. For after this manner in old time did holy women who trusted in God adorn themselves, being subject to their own husbands. What are we talking about again here? Husbands, wives, being submission. So you've got verse 1, verse 2, husband, wife, husband, wife. Then we come down. Now we're verse 5. We're still talking about husband, wife. But a lot of people think, well, that... In between this, we've stopped talking about a husband-wife relationship. That's not the case whatsoever. All of this is referring to a husband-wife relationship. It starts off talking about husband-wife, husband-wife. As you go through it, you're coming back to husbands-wives coming back to this relationship. So let's look at verse 3 again. Speaking of husbands and wives and how they relate to each other, he says, whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning, of the playing of the hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting of apparel. Verse 4. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. Now this is important, what the text says. What people want to say, go back to verse 3. They want to say, who's adorning, let it not only be. See, we want to put that in there. Who's adorning, let it not only be the outward adorning of the playing of hair, wearing of gold, and putting on apparel. Next verse. But let it also be the hidden man of the heart. See, we want to add those things into it, but it's not there. It doesn't say, let it not only be that, but let it also be that. It doesn't say that. What does it say? Go back to verse 3 again. Who's adorning? Let it not be. Period. Next verse. But let it be this. So what, what, when we get, people get married and they wear their, 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 now I know there's people right now that you've been married and you've had that ring and I am just, you know, like jumping all up and down on, on things right now and it, it, your, your toes. I want you to know that I want you to pray about it. I want you to look at it in the Word of God, but I want you to understand it. I will not, for the sake of making everybody else happy, jump over what the Word of God actually says to make somebody feel good. I don't want to hurt you, but I want you to understand what is going on here, okay? It does not say, and this is what we say, well, uh, you know, I understand. It's got to be in the inside, but I want this as well, but also that. The Bible is so clear here to me. Verse number three. Don't let it be this, wearing of gold, that says you're married. And that's what we say. Well, why do you wear that ring? Well, it's, it's to say I'm married. It's to say that we're together. It's to say. He says, don't let gold even say that. But let it be this that says it. And I promise you, you say, well, I, you know, I need this. That, that way, you know, that commitment is right and everything. You know, the, the world that we're living in, I, to, to my knowledge, a lot, a, there's a lot of wedding rings. <laughs> and, and do you have any clue how, how many people are being divorced and how many um, messed up relationships where people are, are, are having um, relationships outside of their marriage? That has never helped anything. But people use it as a crutch. And when something becomes a crutch, it, it, you don't keep your own strength where it needs to be. There's lots of people that just slip that ring off and do whatever they want and then slip it right back on. So Paul, or excuse me, Peter here is saying, don't even, don't even, don't even give yourself that at all. Don't let it be the wearing of gold. Oh my. 
All right. I'm going to come. I may say something. Let me, let me hit some other stuff I need to hit. You know, let me just say this before I jump to my next thing. You know, we, we say, and I've seen people say this, people that I know and I love. Well, you know, we just want to do a, a simple wedding band. But it, it just doesn't stay that way. It doesn't. I've been a part of different groups and I've noticed even when I was a kid and heard stories back before, well, you know, we're just going to do this. And if you are around people very long, you know, it's first it's a simple band and then it's a rock and then it's multiple rocks and then it's this and it's that. And then we're doing it now. We got wedding bands. Well, we need that wedding band before it, but then we have promise rings because we need promise rings. And then well, we have a class ring because we, we did that. And, and then we need this ring for that and that ring for that. And it just keeps going and it keeps going. It doesn't stop. It's exactly what's happened in the Old Testament. It's exactly what they just put their foot down in the New Testament and said, don't do it. But when you look at history again, you go and search John Wesley, and, and, and um, first of all, he, um, he was a powerful man. I don't agree with everything he said done, but he was a powerful man. But they were very strong, and they, 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 um, um, they, they built what they were building very strong, and they have very strong convictions. And when you research, I'm, I'm jumping all past. I've got lots of dates and stuff that when, he, when they did it. But um, they, they said very straightly, he, here's one of the quotes. He said, wear no gold, no pearls, no precious stones. Um, uh, uh, I do not advise women to wear rings, earrings, necklaces. This is John Wesley. This is the Methodist church. This is how they, they lived. He used the scriptures like I just used in 1 Peter 3, 3. He, he used all these scriptures. And they dressed very plainly, modestly, without any jewelry, any rings, anything. Um, but in, they did that all the way up into 1852. And at that point, they, they decided they're going to allow simple wedding bands. The following year, uh, the Presbyterian church followed suit after the Methodist church did it. And then it started a snowball where they just started wearing anything and everything. And, and if history repeats itself, we cannot, there's something about it. Go to the Old Testament. They just, they, you know, we, we, it sounds good. I just want this and that's it. But it keeps growing. And so God just says, take it off, keep it off of you. Peter and Paul says, don't wear it. I'm here to tell you, if our passion is to please the king, you, you find in the word of God what pleases the king is when we take that stuff off, we remove it from our life, and we don't have it in our lives. Can I hear an amen? All right. I'm trying. Let me just talk real quick about makeup. Um, the first mention of makeup in the Bible uh, is in Second Kings chapter nine verse thirty. Uh, this is someone that everyone has heard their name, Jezebel. Matter of fact, people in the church and out of the church. If someone is acting a certain way, they call them Jezebel. I have heard it in the church and out of the church. And what Jezebel was was she was a evil, evil woman. Uh, she she had some major issues, and um, she uh, she was a preacher killer, and uh, Jehu was on his way to, to kill her. And what she does, and uh, as I was studying this and studying some of the commentaries on it, it was very interesting. She goes up into the tower in the window, and, and this is what she did uh, as Jehu was coming. She heard of it. She paints her face. She puts on makeup and ties her hair back 
um, and looks out the window. What she is doing here is exactly what the prostitutes at that time did. She was trying to lure Jehu up to her bedchamber. She was actually up there saying I, she knows she can't defeat him. She knows all this is coming. So her last attempt is trying to seduce him and get her him up. And so she acts the way of the harlot, letting him know with her painted face and, and, and everything that I want you to come up here. Now, I think it's quite awesome what, what Jehu did here because he did not go up there. Let me tell you something. You are not as strong as you think you are. And there are some things, I don't care how bad they are. You have no business going up there to take care of it. There were some eunuchs up there that could deal with that. And he said, you throw her down out of that window. And she came crashing to her death. Young men, don't think you're strong enough to mess with somebody that's trying to suck you in. You ain't got what it takes. That's why Jesus, the Bible says, flee youthful lust. That's right. All right. So here, here we find that this is the first, she's a, she's a preacher killer. She's evil. You, you read, read about her. Think about everything you've heard about Jezebel. This, these are the things we know about her. This is the first uh, look that we have of makeup. She is the one that painted her face to, to try to lure someone in. This is how, now, now again, let me preface again. I understand the world we're living in. There's things you, you've never heard before. I'm about to quote some things in the Bible. I, I am not calling people that wear makeup prostitutes or anything like that. I'm explaining to you what the Bible says, and I'm going to read that. And, and, and this is how God, when He is looking, our world has, I know, has kind of changed its own thing. But we still live our lives based off of this book right here, okay? And so I know you haven't heard this before. So don't, be, don't, don't just be condemned about it. Take it, chew it, swallow it, and then uh, obey the Word of God. But He's mad at the at the, the uh uh, people of God because they have left him uh, and they are they are worshiping other gods and because of his relationship with them uh, he felt like a husband and a wife he is explaining the fact that they have left he's saying that you have cheated on me basically you have you have went to these other gods and so he's looking for a way how can I explain the attitude that I think that these the people of God have done so he starts likening them to this woman and this is how he explains it this is in Jeremiah 4 and 30 he says and and um, thou art spoiled that um, what will thou do? Thou that closeth thyself with crimson, though thou deckest thyself with ornaments of gold. Again, speaking of jewelry, he's putting this in a, a light of jewelry and makeup. Though thy um, rendest thy face with paintings, in vain shall they make thyself fair. Thy lovers shall despise thee. They will seek your life. When he is talking about Israel, the fact that he is calling them someone that is um, that is unfaithful, what are the things that he decides to pick out that 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 will explain this to them? They are decking themselves with gold and jewelry. They are painting their face. They're wearing makeup. They're wearing jewelry. This is God. I know people say, I didn't know that stuff was in there. It's in there. Um, this is how God is liking them. Let's look at another one. I'm trying to hurry. Um, Ezekiel chapter 23, verse 40. Uh, 40. Um, and furthermore, that ye... Uh, have sent for men to come from afar uh, to whom a messenger was sent and lo they came thou didst uh, wash thy uh, wash thyself 
you painted your uh, thy eyelids and deckest thyself with ornaments. He's saying you've called for these lovers to come in and, and you're, you're playing the part of a prostitute. And what are you doing? You're decking yourself with ornaments of gold and you're wearing makeup. Whenever God refers to makeup, you're looking at Jezebel. You're looking at people that he says you're unfaithful. You're not, you're not living right. Multiple times we see this. And so this church, we say, listen, our passion is to please God, not to please this world. And so if, if God looks at it and when he starts saying, what can I think of, of that's going to show them in the light that they are living in, which is being unfaithful, it's that they are painting their face, they are wearing jewelry. This is how God uh, looks at it. And so you never heard that before. Read it again. Study it. Get it in your spirit and say, Lord, I want to please you. If this is how you look at someone that's unfaithful to you, I don't want anything to do with it. Can I hear an amen? amen. You know, and also with our hair. I'm just going to talk real quick because i got ten minutes. Our hair um, is, uh, you know, makeup for your hair is, it, hair dye is makeup for your hair. That's exactly what it is. Uh, we do not, we do not put on makeup. We don't wear jewelry. Um, and, uh. And, and when you dye your hair, that's exactly what it is. Everybody knows what that is. That you are you are changing the appearance of your hair. Uh, that is makeup. It's exactly what you're doing. And again, interesting. The first jewelry we talked about. Where'd that come from? Egypt. Where's the first place we see makeup and hair dyeing things in the Bible? Egypt or in history? Excuse me, Egypt. They, they, they use vegetable oil. Go, again, go study it. Vegetable oil, uh, different oils they would put together to dye their hair. Uh, Josephus said in his writings, the only uh, Jew that he said that, that dyed his hair was King Herod. That's the one that killed John the Baptist. He dyed his hair because he didn't want to look old and he was very vain about his looks. Um, and so anything that you see, whether it be history or, or the Bible, you look at the roots of it and, and um, the roots of it. <laughs> Speaking of hair, how about that? Uh, it is, it is not in the right light and it's not the way we want to please God. So if our passion is to please the king, we don't want any of these things to be said about us. The Bible talks about the silver head is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. Uh, the glory of young men is their strength and the beauty of old men is their gray head. The Bible speaks of the beauty. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We need to dress in such a way. We need to... Uh, uh, conduct ourselves in such a way that we believe that God made us uh, and he don't make junk. He made us exactly how he wanted to make us. That's how we should see ourselves. I am hastening on. You look in Revelation. This is Revelation. It is speaking of the harlot in Revelation. How does it describe the harlot in Revelation? Let's look at it. Revelation 17, 1 through 4. Uh, and thou, thou came, uh, came one of the seven angels, which had seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, uh, Come here, and, and I will show uh, unto you the, great, uh, the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters. Uh, to whom the kings of this earth have committed fornication and the habitation of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Uh, so he carried me away in the spirit 
um, into the wilderness. And I saw the woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of names of blaspheming, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, uh, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Whenever it's speaking of what is called the great whore in the book of Revelations, it's speaking of how she's dressing herself and the gold that she puts on her. How does it talk about the church? Revelations chapter 19, verses 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him uh, uh, for the marriage of the Lamb... um, it is come. His wife hath made herself ready for, uh, and to her was a, was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. The fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Whenever God referring to his church, it's clean, it's white, it's pure. When he's talking about the harlot church, it's wearing gold. It's all these different things that he's putting on. It's very, very obvious whether you're in the Old Testament in the New Testament. When God thinks of something that he dislikes he refers to it as something wearing gold something wearing makeup decking themselves out. When he's talking about the church, he's talking about come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. Somebody needs to get something inside of them that you will abstain from all appearance of evil. If there's appearance that this is how God sees it, I don't want anything to do with it. If this is how God talks about it, I don't want anything to do with it. I want to please the king. Stand with me. We don't wear jewelry. There are people that I, I know that, that they have ex- decided that they're going to wear a wedding ring. I talk to them about it. You know what, when we have conversations, you know what they do? They go to history. They talk about, you know, the, the society we live in. That's, 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 that's the conversation. They don't go to the Bible to explain why they should do it. And, and, and I, I'm sorry, there, there are people that I know, and if they did that same thing with other scriptures, if I try to do that thing with other scriptures, say, well, this is how the history, and they say, well, well look at the Bible say. And I kept saying, look at the history. They would say, no, you're wrong. And if they would say that towards me, I'm sorry. I have to say it back. It's not in the Word of God. It's clear. From Genesis to Revelations, jewelry is always something that causes trouble with the people of God. The New Testament, that scripture I read, is plain. Talking about a husband and wife relationship and said, don't let gold be part of it. So we don't wear rings. We don't wear earrings. We don't wear nose rings. We don't wear other rings that I won't even talk about right now. We don't wear necklaces and bracelets. Um, I, I've seen some guys here lately doing tie pins. Um, I don't think we need to be doing that either. There's other things. I can, If you need help to keep your tie, if you take an old shirt and you take this part of it, like a white shirt, you cut right above the button and right below the button, that right there fits perfectly and you can button it on here put it through that loop right there and button it on the other side and it keeps your tie from flapping I'll explain it to you later come and talk to me but I'm just saying there's ways to do it I don't think we need to do that we don't need to open that door I've been seeing some pins around lately with different things you know if it's gold, silver these types of things we don't need to do it ladies we don't need to have things uh, overly extravagant with all this gold and all these different things we don't want to do that 
you can make it look nice, make it look neat. You know, I'm not saying don't have anything, but I'm just saying pay attention to it. The Bible says the wearing of gold, pearls, a costly array. Say, well, I can wear it here, but I don't want to wear it here. I don't want to wear it on my neck, but I can put it here, or I can put it up here. I can put it all these. No, we just don't do it. Okay? That's where we are. That's where we stand. Um, so we don't wear makeup. I'm trying to say all this really fast. We don't wear makeup. Um, that, you know, you know, living things don't paint itself. You know, you don't go out there to the oak tree and start painting it. Once it's dead and you put it on the uh, house, then you paint it. You don't paint living things. You're a lively stone. Don't be painting yourself, okay? Don't be doing it. God made you the way he wanted you, and you want to you realize how wonderful that is. So we don't wear makeup. Uh, that's anywhere. Our nails, uh, ladies and men these days, unfortunately, I have to say that. Uh, uh, but anyways, um, it, you know, if you're going to do something with your nails, it needs to look natural. and It don't need to have color to it uh, because that's makeup, all right? We don't do that. That's toes as well. Uh, we, we don't do that. Why? The Bible it, it speaks of makeup in a negative light. Um, I'm trying to think real quick here. Um, and so... Um, yeah, if you if you use powder for your face for oil on your face, it needs to be um, not not have the color to it where you're adding color and stuff to you. You know, I know some uh, people need powder for you know different things, but it's not where it has color and you're coloring yourself all up. That's not what that's not what I believe the Word of God wants us to. It doesn't please the King. Um, and um, and there's other things I can say, but I want to stop. I'm just going to stop. If you have any questions, please come up and talk to me. We're going to pray before we get out of here. There are people that have had a precious ring or something that someone gave you. You know what? That thing is so precious that I think it would be a good idea so you don't mess it up. Put it in a safety deposit box somewhere and keep it good and protected. My passion is to please the king. I pray that I don't do these and I talk about these things where I'm being arrogant or rude or anything. I do my best just to lay it out simply with the word of God. And I, I, I promise you, it would be easier for me not to teach this stuff. It would be so much easier not to bring stuff like this up. You know, I live in this world. I know the pressures of this world. It would be easy to say, you know, we're going to do it. You know, people figure it out for themselves. I know pastors that do that, and I'm sorry, that's not correct. The Bible says a pastor has is, is got to be apt to teach. He's, he's supposed to teach it. We don't get an option of choosing what we're, what we're going to say or not say. If it's in the Word of God, my responsibility is to teach it to the people of God. I know there's some people who aren't able to make it, and you're watching online. I don't want anyone to be hurt. I want everyone to please God, though. And I'm telling you, these, these choices that we make... God honors it. And when God sees you, wow, that's what God likes. This is how he sees that. Oh, man, this is the direction I'm going. God goes, there you go. That's what I'm looking for. Someone that's willing to come out from this, the, the direction of this world and to follow uh, my passion and my desire. Let's bow our heads. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, I feel your presence here. And I, I feel the strength of this church. Lord, I know that we, many have heard this over and over again, but yet they, they still understand the importance of hearing it again, and I thank you for that. Lord, there are people here that have heard this for the first time, 
God, I pray that you will be with them, help them, God, to get in your word for themselves, to devour that word and to understand what it is and what it means. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, give them a heart, God, that says, I want to please you above all else, and I want to abstain from all appearance of evil. I don't want any of that in my life. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that you will help us, God, to to follow after you and to be a light in this world. Don't let us copy this world. Don't let us go with the traditions of this world. Let us go with the word of God and live our life accordingly. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen and amen. I will I will take a seat up here. If anyone has any questions, I'd be happy to speak with you. Um, I love you. I want you to be here.